0: I, I said, I don't, I don't know how I'm supposed to start a, start a sermon after that, but uh, a, a, it's a statement that's been made quite a few times, and uh, made a couple different ways, but you are the average of the five people you're closest to, or some say spend the most time with. You're the average of the five people you are the closest to. That's going to be the thought for this morning. The um, title of the sermon is just five people. We're in the 12 series. This, this ends the 12 sermon series today. And what 12 is about is this is 2012. Y'all know you're living in, y'all been writing a different number there on the checks, right? At the end, right? This is not 11 anymore. And the whole purpose is for us to think about how to make the most of 2012. And if, you know, if we're not careful, we just float through life and nothing ever changes. But how do we make the most of 2012? How do we make the most of this year? How can this year be different than last year? 12 months ahead of us. Now, you know, we're down to 11 months now. If you haven't started, but this, that's, what, that's what this is. Uh, as Britton was saying, you know, the thing I said a couple of weeks ago when we preached about prayer, if I could give you one thing this year, it would be a prayer life. Try this, 30 minutes a day for 30 days. That's all it takes to create a habit. You've probably read that before. 30 days creates a habit, and you'll have a prayer life. And then you just have to keep it up, but it'll, it'll be a habit by then. Just do it 30 days, wear this, keep it, keep it in your mind and do that. This morning, go into another place. Talking about people we connect to. I got four verses of scripture I'm to bring to you really, really quick. Have a word of prayer and get into this message about the five people that you connect to. Four verses of scripture. Hebrews 6, 12. We do not want you to become lazy. Don't be lazy. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't be lazy. If you're going to make the most of 2012, guess what? You can't be lazy. You can't sleep late all the time. And I don't mean just physically. I mean spiritually. You gotta quit sleeping late. Okay? Don't be lazy. But imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit, inherit what has been promised. Now, how how do you imitate somebody? Before you can imitate somebody, first thing you gotta do is you gotta see them, right? You gotta watch them. You gotta have some connection. To you gotta see what they're doing. If you're not connected to anybody's doing anything good, then you're not going to imitate anything good. If you're going to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised, you're going to have to have some kind of connection with them, watch them and see how they do things, okay? And the next verse, Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. Think about how their lives turned out and imitate their faith. Think about how their life. Think about it. Turn to the person next to you and say, think about it. Come on, you got to think about it, okay? Here's the problem. We don't think about it. We just go through life. We don't think about it. You know, I've heard people, and and Christians, this, this absolutely astounds me. For Christians to say things like, man, did you see that Kardashian wedding? I wish I could have a big wedding like that. I wish I could have a wedding like a Kardashian wedding. You ever thought something like that? How stupid. For you to say something like that. I mean, you think about it, you know, what that wedding was about. There was, there was not about love. It was not about commitment. It was not about any of those things. It was about spending money to make money, right? And you know how long it lasted, right? Does anybody know? How many days? Oh, my goodness. That, that scares me that you all know how many days, all right? <laughs> I knew it was a couple of months. It was, okay, so give them the benefit of the doubt. A little longer than a couple of months. But come on, is that really the wedding? You like, well, no, 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 I just want the wedding. Oh, oh wait a minute. Look at how the whole thing turned out. It wasn't built on the right thing. It was the, the wedding wasn't established the right way. So when you start saying, I want what you're not what you're saying is you're you're taking in a whole lot more than you think you're taking in. So be careful. Think about how it turned out, okay? And just like if you want to, if you want to say, oh, well, I'm having kids and I don't know anything about parenting and you're trying to find somebody to be kind of a mentor or a model for you, look at how their kids turned out. I mean, if you, you pick somebody and, you know, their kids are all in rehab or jail or something somewhere, you know, you might need to think, well, wait a minute, I need to find somebody else." Think about how it turned out, okay? Next verse uh, is First Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. If you're not careful, you'll be misled thinking something here. Bad company corrupts good character. There is a powerful truth right here. Now, all of us know that if you're not a great person, you know, you're not a perfect person, that when you hang around with bad people, it's going to just pull you down farther and farther, right? But that's not what this verse says. This verse says that bad character, or or, I'm sorry, bad company can even corrupt good character. That even if you're a child of God on fire for Him, you've got great morals and you've got, great, you know, you've got great parents, you've got a great church. If you hang out with bad company, it will, it will corrupt your good character. So I, I, I'm talking to Christians here today too. Is you need to understand that. You need to understand. And you need to think about the people that you hang out with. Last verse, just before we pray. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools... And get in trouble. Enough said. Doesn't need any explanation, does it? There it is. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you, God, for your blessings. God, thank you, God, for giving us your word like this. God, so so deep, Lord. The things you say, God, and we read them so many times, just pass right by. So much stuff, Lord. Thank you for that. And God, the struggles that we have, and how twenty eleven wasn't exactly what we wanted it to be, and we didn't. We didn't achieve all those dreams and goals and blessings and promises that we were wanting, Lord. And here today, God, I want you to challenge us, God. Charge us, Lord. I pray, God, just really get in the middle of our business today and help us see some of the reasons why we couldn't achieve those things, God, because of the crowds we were running around with, because of the people we were connected to, because of the the relationships, because of the company that we were keeping. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that every one of us will respond in some way and find a way, God, God, to make the most out of 2012 in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. (laughs) If you wanted to get a new trade, I I just saw this week that Cliff was going to get the uh, Alabama electrician's license or whatever, something like that. I'm not talking about that because he already knows how to do that, okay? He had that in Florida, okay? So I'm talking about a brand new trade. If you don't know anything about electricity but you wanted to be an electrician, what would you do? What would you do? Do what? Trade school. Trade school. Apprenticeship, somebody said in the early service, right? You wouldn't just go buy a bunch of tools and start sticking your fingers in light sockets, right? I mean, you know, you probably wouldn't make it very far. But, I mean, you, would, you know, trade school, apprenticeship, things like that. I mean, I said in the early service, also asked this question. You know, if you wanted to be a great head football coach, college football coach, you know, would you try to get on staff at an elite SEC school or a junior college? Come on, we know the answer to that, don't we? You know, we, we know the answer to those kinds of things. If you wanted to learn how to play an instrument, like one of these instruments up here, what would you? What, if you knew nothing about playing an instrument, if you wanted to learn how to play an instrument, or, or like you know, you, you, your kids wanted to play an instrument. What did you do? Got them lessons from somebody that knew how to play the instrument, right? I mean, we understand this about our lives, don't we? We understand that if we want to better ourselves in any way, we want to start something. new, We want to do something great in our lives. We need to connect with somebody who knows how to do it. Why is it, though, with our social lives, we think we can connect with anybody, anywhere, doing anything, and still we can maintain morality, we can maintain righteousness, we can maintain our character? Why is it it that we don't make the same connection with our social lives? Why is it that we don't make the same connection with our moral stance? And it's no wonder that Christians today have the same morals in a lot of ways as the rest of the world. It's because we don't understand. So if you want twenty twelve to be better, you got to start connecting with different people. Because look at who are the people you connect with today. Think about you know if you connect with uh, people who are complainers. You know you ever connect with you ever talked to a complainer long enough that you started complaining too. Come on, amen, yeah. And uh, you're not nudging your husband, are you, ladies, because he complains all the time and he turns you into a... Or have you ever had a friend that they, found, they got a new friend that was a complainer and, and uh, then they started complaining and then you didn't even want to be a, a friend of that friend anymore because they picked up those things? You ever had somebody... Yeah, that's what happens. Somebody that's bitter. What happens when you're around somebody that's bitter? Someone who's, who's defiant, rebellious, or judgmental. Hang out with judgmental people. You'll start pointing your finger, too. Uh, gossipers, uh, those who are materialistic and, you know, just want stuff. The immoral, the irresponsible, angry people. The more you hang out with them, the more you'll become like them. Y'all know the story of Lot? You know the story of, if you don't know the story of Lot, check it out. The book of Genesis, okay? What, what's the, uh, Genesis chapter 13? You'll see the culmination of it. It begins in chapter 12 and continues on through there. The chapter, I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry. It goes on from chapter 13. Um, here, and, and if you don't know the story, Lot, let me just tell you this, Lot loses his whole family, okay? He loses everybody. I know, I know some of you, you know the story, you're thinking, no, wait wait, wait a minute, he, he still had his two daughters. Uh-uh. Read the next few verses. Where you think he still had his two daughters when he left the city, read the next two verses and see how he lost his two daughters, but in a different way, okay? I'm not talking about he lost them to death, but he lost them. He lost his relationship. You need to read that and see the rest of that. And how did it happen? How did it happen that when when the angel showed up and said, we're going to destroy this city, that when he tried to talk to his sons, and we don't know if they were his sons or his sons-in-laws, I I, kind of think it was his sons-in-laws, but I'm not sure. When he tried to talk to them, they laughed at him. And when he took his took his family out to get them out before God destroyed the city, that that his his wife turned around, and she couldn't let go of the city. She had to turn around and look one more time, and God judged her of that. How is it that he lost his family in this way? How is that that it happened? It didn't happen the night the angels showed up. It didn't happen the night that they ran out. You know, when it, you know, when it happened, it happened right here when Lot chose for himself. Here's what Lot did, is Lot chose a city to raise his family in, that his family was going to grow up with the wrong kind of peers and the wrong kind of connections. And that's why his sons could not let go of this. That's why when, when he started talking about destruction, they started laughing like, no, there's not going to be any destruction. You know, oh, God wouldn't do that. You know, everything's fine here. And that's the danger. Listen to me, Christian. That's the danger of becoming too connected to this world. And that's what's happening to our, our Christian society in the middle of the American society that we have today. is We are connecting to our society so much that then when God begins to speak, this is wrong and this shouldn't be, we say, oh, no, no, wait, God, you know, really that isn't so wrong. And we begin to take on, uh, we begin to take on uh, like an empathy for the people that we are connecting with. And we began to even, even question whether God really means in his word that this is wrong or this is wrong or this is wrong. And let me tell you, around 29 11, I'll just tell you this. We've only got one rule book around here, and it's the Bible, you know. And everything else builds off of that. And if you can prove to us that there's something that we're, we're believing that's not, you need to just talk to us because everything builds off the Bible. And if God said it, then it's truth. And it doesn't matter If your brother or your sister or your aunt or your best friend in the world is living in opposition to that, if God said it, that is the truth. Let me me take you some other place right here also. Jesus talking about the last days, he talked about false prophets in Matthew chapter 24. He said there'll be false prophets going to come in the last days and because because of these false prophets, a lot of people, their love's not going to hang in there. Their love's going to grow cold. They're going to fall away from God because... Because of the false prophets. Let me tell you something. False prophets don't have to have a microphone to be a prophet. They, they don't all stand on a stage, okay? You can have a false prophet in your life. You can just have a false prophet that you have, you have coffee with every morning. Your, uh, what, what prophecy means is it means to speak something as truth. And if you speak something as truth and it's not truth, then you're a false prophet. So if you've got a friend who speaks truth, it's not really truth. If you've got a friend that, that, that quotes the Bible and twists it so that it fits their life, they're a false prophet. And if you've got people like that in your life speaking those things, you know what, you're in danger of allowing your love to grow cold because you're listening to false prophecies. And let me, let me say this, because I don't want anyone to misunderstand. We're not a cult around here, okay? I'm not, I don't want you to cut yourself off from the rest of the world. That's not what we're talking about here. You need to open your eyes and you need to think about how it turns out, okay? And you need to understand that there can be false prophets sitting on these chairs right here, right now, okay? I'm not saying that this is the perfect church. Oh, this isn't perfect. You know why this church isn't perfect? Because it's full of people. And people are imperfect. Did you you know that? Okay, so we're never going to be a perfect church, because we're going to be full of imperfect people. And we're not saying cut yourself because there's a lot of great mentors out there that you can connect with, but you're going to have to open your eyes and you're going to have to think about how things have turned out in their life before you choose those or choose that. Okay, let me give you this one false prophet example because, I mean, this is one that just, just, just drives me crazy. And I see Christians, I see Christians falling in this, uh, uh, of accepting the false prophecy of this Pseudo-Christian. I mean, there are some people today that they, they think they have so much of God that they have a freedom. They just, they're just so deep in their freedom and liberty with God. They're so much deeper than you and I are. And so the things that you and I know that are sin because the Bible says they are, they are so free in their liberty and their salvation and all that that they can still do those things even though the Bible says they're not, they're not that they are sin. Now, you might not have run into that false prophet, but some of you have. And you don't run into that false prophet at the coffee shop. You run into that false prophet in the church normally. And when that false prophet shows up in your life, you need to reject that in the name of, let me tell you something, let me tell you what I do, okay? I, I, had, a, I had a boss I couldn't stand for a whole lot of reasons in, in the ministry, okay? And I won't say any more so you don't know who it is. But I had a boss I couldn't stand for a lot of reasons. But he said something one day that has stuck with me and stuck with me and stuck with me. And he, somebody started telling us a story about somebody else that had an affair or something like that. You know what, he stopped them. And they said, oh, oh. they said, that's okay because it's common knowledge. He said, I don't care. He said, I don't care if it's common knowledge or not. That's not why I'm stopping you. He said, I don't need to hear the details of what those people did outside of their marriage. I don't need it to come into my ears and get into my heart. And so, you know what? He said, so, he said, so I, I just rebuke that, that even everything I've heard so far. I don't want it to take root in my heart. And so when that begins to happen in your life, that you start hearing these false prophets that, oh, well, one day you'll get, you'll get deep enough in God that you'll be able to do things that the Bible says are sin. You'll have that kind of a freedom, too. You hear that kind of a false prophet, you need to mark it as that. You need to separate yourself from it and say, I rebuke that from, a, from planting a seed into my heart today. You need that. You, you, you need to think about how it turns out. But if you hang around with good people, I mean, if you hang around with people that are, that are appreciative, accepting, upbeat, and happy, I mean, you know, some of you guys, you're happy no matter what's happened in your life. And man, I'm glad you're here at 2911 because, you know, I got some people that I always need you to slide by, you know, just a little bit. Let a little bit of your happiness rub off on some of them. You know, and that's the way it is when somebody is happy all the time. You know, but, yeah, somebody that's uh, focused, somebody that's confident, you know, somebody like that. I mean, if you, if you say, i I got to get more focused this year, well, then hook up, connect somewhere with somebody who's focused. You know, hang around organized people, you know. If you're one of those that's not, then start hanging around organized people, if that's what you need. Or creative, you want to be more creative, or, or a dreamer, or you want to be more passionate. You know, if you want to have passion, then, you know, you need to you need friend Vance on Facebook, you know. Hey, you know, that's what he's talked to us about. It's about having a heart of passion. I mean, you want to be more passionate. Connect with people that have passion. I mean, that's the way it works. Okay, let me give you some examples from Scripture: Elijah and Elisha. When, when, right before Elijah, Elijah was going to pass from this earth, he was going to be taken away uh, to, to God in heaven. Uh, Elisha, he called Elisha to come be with him. And then, then he kind of says, okay, you don't have to follow me. He said, okay, you, you can just go on back. And, and then a little later he says, look, I'm going somewhere and, and you don't have to follow me. But Elisha says, "Ah, uh uh-uh. He says, I want to be here. I'm going to leave. It. I don't have time to lay all this whole thing out for you. But if you know the story, you know that Elijah was a great man of God that had a lot of anointing. I mean, he had an anointing. He spoke things, and things happened. Not maybe, not part of the time. Things happen all the time. He, he is like he was speaking by, by the power of God. It was just coming out of his mouth. He was so anointed. But because Elisha had this attitude of saying, you're my mentor. I'm going to hang on to you. I'm not going to let anything else. I'm connected to you because you are a great, awesome man of God. The, the, what we find out is we find out that Elisha ends up with twice as much. He got a double portion of the anointing of Elijah. And you know why Elisha did this? Go back to that scripture just a little while ago. He thought about how it turned out. And how it turned out with Elijah. Elijah had this great anointing, and Elisha said, I want to be a part of what this guy is doing. Also, there was Moses and Joshua. Now, that's that's a really interesting story to me, is Moses and Joshua. Because you don't even realize, I mean, to me, I don't even realize that Joshua is being mentored by Moses while I'm reading the story, until I get to the end of it. It's kind of like one of those movies, you know, you all ever see Sixth Sense? You know, when you get to the end of it, you say, oh, wait a minute. And you think of this, and you will go back and watch it all over again because you want to pick out all those things. That's the way the story of Moses and Joshua is, is because you don't even realize that all of a sudden Moses dies, and Joshua is the leader. And you say, oh, wait a minute, what about that time when Moses and Joshua, what about that time and this and this and this? And then you realize Joshua was being mentored. He was being led, being gotten ready. And look at this. This one little verse of Scripture says, Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Imagine that. Wouldn't it be awesome? Afterward, Moses would return to the camp. But the young man who, assist, who assisted him, Joshua, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Wow. If you ever thought, wouldn't it be awesome to be like Moses to hear God speak audibly face to face? Well, wait a minute. It would have been pretty awesome to have been Joshua too. Uh, you know, so if you're not a Moses, you know, say, so, you know, I don't ever hear God. If you're not a Moses but you want to hear God, you need to do like Joshua and connect with somebody who hears God. What you need to do is you need to say, God, open my eyes and let me see people in my life that are already right here that I can develop a relationship with, that I can connect to. And you need to, you need to find people like this, people that will take you into the very presence of God. People that will take you to the place where they, which you, you hear God give you direction through your days. You need, you need to connect with people like that. And, and, and even then, when they leave, what did Joshua do? He stayed in the presence of God. He was right there in the tent. It looked like he had some kind of responsibility, but he also had the privilege of staying there. You need to connect with people. You need to have relationships with people. You need to have those kinds of people in your top five. And just I'll just say real quick about Timothy. Y'all know Timothy. Timothy ended up being a great pastor of one of the first churches ever planted. And you know how? It wasn't by accident. I want you to know it was not by accident. I mean, you can read the scripture about where. you know what First and Second Timothy is? I, I got to skip some of this. I just don't have time for all this. But I got to tell you this is real quick. You know what First and Second Timothy is? It's the letters that God spoke to Paul to write to Timothy over that church. And so today we've got these awesome letters that are also helping us understand how to raise leaders in the church, how to, how to challenge and equip leaders in the church, how to pastor our churches. And, we've got, and you know why we got them? because of the relationship that Paul and Timothy had. You see, I, I, read, I brought you all these scriptures this morning, the first four, and then all these examples, because I wanted you to understand, this is not something I thought about last month when I started putting this sermon series together. This is all throughout God's Word. It's His plan, is that we learn from one another, we pick up from one another, we glean from one another, we, in, we, we strengthen each other, we challenge each other, we make each other better. And that's the way it happens. So, okay, here's the question then. Who were the top five people closest to you in 2011? Who were they? And while you're thinking about who those are, don't say it out loud. We ain't got time for everybody to give those out loud, but think about those who were. I want to ask you this sub-question while you're thinking about that. What is it that you want to become in your life? You know, what is it? You, you, you teenagers. You know, what, what kind of a, a, a husband, dad, what kind of a mother or wife do you want to be? Start thinking about that. And then, then look back and say, were those five people that I was closest to last year, are they going to help me become that? Because if not, if not, and, and you older ones, I mean, even 40, 50, 60 years old, I mean, 70 or 80 years old, if you're 80 years old here today, you can still, say, you can still look into the future. I mean, all of us today can at least say, what do I want to be at the end of this year, if I'm going to get the most out of 2012, what is it that I want to be different by, by December the 31st? What, how, what kind of a husband do I want to be? What kind of a, a granddad do I want to be? We can all ask that question and then start looking around and say, now did those five people last year that I, that I connected with more than anybody else that I was close to, were they leading me closer to that? Because listen, your peers are your choice. I know some of you don't think that. You think that, oh, my life just gets full of people. No, your peers are your choice. Nobody, I don't choose your peers. Your friends don't choose you. You choose who your peers are. Your parents don't choose your peers. Oh, they may, they may suggest somebody for you. But, but Nick, let me ask you a question. If your mom comes home today and says, Nick, I just met the most beautiful girl, and I want you to date her. Are you going to date her this week? Probably not. Understand, your parents can point them out, but your parents don't choose your peers. Nobody, you choose your peers. Your peers are your choice. So make your choices wisely so you can get the most out of 2012. Okay, because here's the real question is who are gonna be those top people for this next year? You need to find some people. Who, what is it you want to be at December 31st? You need to find some people that look like that. TD. Jake said it this way. He said, "Find some people doing what you want to do better than you're doing it, and move into their neighborhood. Yeah, some of you need to change neighborhoods. I 'm talking spiritually, not talking about physically move. I mean some of you probably need to move physically because you 're around some other stuff you don't need to be around. But we all need to be thinking about our neighborhoods. need to be planning and thinking about them. And let me tell you, here's, here's what we do around 29 11. We don't just preach the message and say, I hope you got it. I hope you do okay this week. Get out of here. We don't just preach the message. We want to put something in your hands. We want to give you a prayer life. Not just preach to you how important prayer is. We want to give you a prayer life. We want to teach you how to do some things. We want to put some tools in your hands. And you know what? Anybody know what today is here at 29 Small group launch. Guess what? We want to help you make some good connections. You see, all of us need to do probably three things. Probably every one of us has a relationship that we need to end today because it's tearing us down, pulling us apart. It's poor. I got people on. I got people that I'm friends with on Facebook that I've had to hide their posts. They're still my friends, been friends for a long time and, you know, out there in the world, and they're still my friends. They're not Christians. And, and you know, I can, I can, I can read some, some people's posts, but there are some people. I can't read that stuff. If I keep reading that stuff, they're going to be putting lust into me. I don't need any lust in me. I said in early service, I don't need any lust in me because I'm married. But, hey, even if you're not married, you don't need any lust in you. But I definitely don't need any lust in me as a, as a minister of the God. I don't need that. And so I've had to hide them. They don't know that I I don't, I don't think they do do I don't know. Uh, let me see. If I have a head here. I can ask you if you knew that. No. I, I don't need it. You don't need it. Every one of us probably has a relationship we need to end. And then we all have relationships that we need to cultivate. Some that are helping us, we need to make them stronger. We, we need to spend some more time there. And then all of us have some relationships we need to begin. We need to find some new people. And that's. That's part of what we do with our small groups. Better together. I mean, my goodness, what a better title for this message right here, you know, is to be better together. That's that's one's meeting on Wednesday night. Adventures and missions for fourth, fifth, and sixth grade kids. Your kids, fourth, fifth, sixth grades. We're going to start pouring into them through this through this small group. We want to prepare them for the youth t- the, the youth group and the time that they're going to have in in as a teenager. And then junior and middle and high school, eventually uh, Mission Seven Fourteen is for young single adults, you know, to get together. And I mean, if there's anybody that needs some new friends, I think it's young single adult Christians that need to get rid of some. Need bros night out, and uh, I know this is this is about young guys hanging out together and doing things. But I have no earthly idea why they've got a dinosaur back there on their table. Somebody needs to explain that one to me. Uh, uh, intercessory prayer. Some of you need to connect with that group. They may here every Monday night. You need, that's your group. I mean, that's, that's who you're all about. And, it, and it, I am excited that I, I can say to somebody, if somebody calls me, they're having a bad Monday, I can say, let me tell you what to do. About 7 o'clock, drop by the church. There's somebody there to pray with you. The intercessory, group, uh, the intercessory prayer, and the munch munch, well, I don't know if you can figure out what they do or not. They eat just good Christian fellow. Why do we do these things? I want you to understand, we don't do these things as an adjunct. It's not something we thought, what else can we do around here to fill up the calendar? Anybody need their calendar filled up? No. Let me tell you something, none of us do either. We're not doing this because we want to fill up our calendar. We're doing this because this is part of who we are. It is how we disciple people. We don't have Sunday school. We don't have room for enough classes to disciple 180 adults on Wednesday night. This is how we disciple. This is how we do Christian education. We have some that meet here on Wednesday nights, but the majority of our groups are going to meet some other place some other time because we don't have room for them. This is how we do it, and that's why we do it. And and, and listen, there's not one single small group leader today that is doing this because they just had some free time. Most of them had to carve out some time to make this happen. To lead this They're doing this because they want to help you make the connections That are going to make a difference in your life Let me tell you about a story I read I'm going to try to hurry Give me that quote from Pam if you will Mike I don't know Pam and I don't know Pam's friend But I read Pam's story this week On a blog And uh, she, she was talking about her friend Pam And she said I was meeting this lady Pam I was meeting her every, every morning for, bre- uh, for coffee At the donut shop And she said you know what I started realizing And they both lived in a trailer park now, there's nothing wrong with living tra- in a trailer park when we first got married. But, you know, what? we had de- desires, dreams of getting into a house with a foundation, you know, and, and, you know and, and not paying rent, not even on the property that the trailer's on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we had some dreams of that. And this lady did too. And she said, you know what I realized? I realized I was never going to accomplish that if I kept hanging around with Pam. And she said, because Pam was a complainer. It got me to complain. I'd be complaining about the donuts and the coffee that we were eating and drinking every morning. And she said, and, and Pam, the thing I've heard Pam say more than any, anything else in her life was this, all I want in life is coffee, cigarettes, and a roof over my head. And you know what? If you want, if you want to go somewhere with getting a, a real house and having some, you know, put back some money and some savings and, some, you know, have a future, you don't need to be hanging around with somebody who says, all I want in life is coffee, cigarettes, and a roof over my head. And you know what she did? She said, I, she said, I started being busy when she called. I quit, I quit. going with her, and you know, in just a little while, this lady says we were in a house of our own. Now that's why I gave you that story. It don't always work out like that. Work out that quick that way, but you know what that tells me? That doesn't tell me that she found the answer in something else so much as she found the problem in Pam, and her relationship with Pam. Pam drug her down. Pam kept her from becoming what she needed to be. Okay. Well, um, but the other, the other question uh, is, here, here's a, oh, I, I need to give you the script. I'm sorry, from, a, I need to give you the quote from our uh, Jimmy Evans. Thank you. a quote from Jimmy Evans, and we use Jimmy Evans around here. Here's just another example. We're talking a little bit about finances there with Pam. This is, a, this is not a Pam type person. Jimmy Evans is, is a, a minister. Jimmy Evans has a great marriage ministry. We use him a lot around here. And he said, "This divorce and adultery running groups. Let's talk about families for just a moment. Divorce and adultery running groups. You know it. Look around, you'll see. Look around, you'll see. You don't normally see a divorce sitting out there all by itself. You'll see more divorces in the circle. Now, understand this, okay? I always have to qualify this. I always try to remember every time I say so. Is listen, we're not down on divorced people. There's a whole lot of people. I I, I would say that probably." Half of, the pe- half of the people of marriage age around here have been divorced. Okay, So we're not down on divorced people. Divorces happen sometimes. It just happens. And sometimes it happens. You can do everything you, you're trying to do, everything you should do, and still end up divorced because of the other person. I mean, that, that happens sometimes. But you know what happens? If you've got a div- another divorce already in your family, or you're associated with a lot of divorced people, what will happen is it will cause you, give up a little quicker than you should and I can give give you examples and some of you could raise your hand and say that was me I should have worked harder on it a little longer divorce and adultery see that's a scary one here really it's not the divorce so much that's a big big issue and a big deal but the adultery thing Runs in groups. I don't have time to give you the stories, but I could tell you about a couple of young men I know. I can tell you about some young ladies that I know that it spread through their group like wildfire. You, let me tell you something. If you have somebody in your top five that is involved in adultery in illicit affairs, ha- having, uh, just say it, having sex outside of a monogamous married relationship between one man and one woman, if you've got anybody in your circle that is doing that, you need to cut that one off right now because it will impact your marriage today or your marriage tomorrow. You don't need to be a part of that. That's one you need to cut off. And so, what do we do here around 29 11? We don't just tell you it's wrong. We say, here, here you go. We got a small group, Home on the Rock. Davis teaching that one. I think it's on Wednesday night also. Home on the Rock. You young couples, I mean, it's not just about your marriage, it's about making a great home. Uh, Fun for all, this is led by one of the great couples in our church, and this is just a fellowship thing just so you can connect and you can meet with people. Uh, Financial peace, uh, there's probably not a person in this building that doesn't need to go through financial peace. If you hadn't already been through it, you need to go through financial peace. It is awesome for couples, it is awesome for marriages because, you know, that's one of the top three things that, that, uh, that marriages struggle with is finances. It's one of the top three things that cause divorces. is finances. Our life, living, and freedom every day. This is a brand new group. i got to tell you about this. This is a brand new group. And whatever your stronghold is in your life, this life group will help you with that. This life group is about challenging that stronghold, pulling it down, and helping you start building the structure in your life that you need spiritually. And then everyday dads. You know, it's like, hey, especially for you guys that are married to ladies who like to sleep late on Saturday mornings, you can drive over and meet Gary for the early breakfast, you know, and have your little devotion and, and have your small and be back before your wife even wakes up. You've already got your small group done for the week. And you know what? You know why we do these? Because you need them. Not because I need because you need them. I, I got one I'm doing, but it's not, it's not being publicized. It's it's a it's a little different. I've got a small group I'm doing. You know why I'm not doing it because I need it. I'm doing it because you need it. As I said earlier, these small group leaders, they don't have just a lot of extra time on their hands. They're doing it because you need it. And and I, and I failed to mention something early service. I really wanted to mention, and really wanted to mention, and that is one of the tools that we've got. I'm gonna say this. We, I'm almost I'm, I'm close to being finished. Okay. One of the other tools we've got is the growth track, especially 301. Now there's no growth track tonight. It's the fifth. We do 101 on the first Sunday, 201 on the second Sunday, 301 on the third Sunday, 401 on the fourth Sunday. 301. We have a program called Dream Coaches and, and if you've got financial problems, if you don't even know how, if, you're, if you're about to get married or you just got married or you've been married for 40 years and you've never had a budget you need to come to 301 and let them they'll, they'll help you develop a budget if you've got financial problems you need to know how to pay it off how to straighten out your credit report, we've got Dream Coaches here at this church ready to help you with that if you've got marital problems we've got Dream Coaches here ready to meet with you right here at this church, right here for free. You know, and the amazing thing to me is the people that have walked in on, at 301, walked on those doors at 301, and me know what they're needing, and they walk right back out the door and don't come and just sit with a dream coach for a moment. And, and, and we, don't, we don't do it right there and embarrass anything. You need, I just want you to know we've got this available. Why? Because you need it. Yeah, it's always, let me tell you, I, I just got to say this. I'm, I'm way over my time, so forget it anyway. But just forget that clock. I'm almost finished. Let me just say this. This is something I've wanted, as a pastor, I've wanted to be in my church that I pastored for years and years and years. Is the ability not to just pray over people, uh, preach to people, pray over them, but then to also just walk with them. You got a problem? Let's connect you with somebody who understands finances. You got a marital problem? Let's connect you with somebody. We We have licensed, trained people that are covering some of these areas. And you need to make yourself available to those. Let me let me tell you this one last thing, and then I'm going to bring you to the front. I have a promised scripture, very important to us early in our ministry because um, we had it spoken over us. Isaiah 40:31. Some of you can quote it with me. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength; they will mount up with wings as eagles; they will run and not be weary, and they will walk and not faint. I heard a guy talking about this some years ago, and this was after it was spoken over us. So, you know, every time anybody said anything about Isaiah 40, 31, you know, my antenna went up. I was like, Oh, ooh, ooh that's, that's a promise scripture for me, so I want to hear what you got to say. He said, you know, there's a lot of Christians walk, walking around out there wondering, why in the world, why don't I ever get to soar? He says, I'll get to soar because I'm a child. Why don't I get to soar with eagles? And he said this, you're not ever going to soar with eagles as long as you're walking around with turkeys. <laughs> Think about it. You keep hanging around with turkeys, you'll never be an eagle. you got an eagle inside of you, but you don't know it because you're hanging out with turkeys. Man, I'm glad he chose turkeys, aren't you? You're hanging out with turkeys, so quit hanging out with turkeys. Let 2012 be the year that you choose to soar into whatever dreams God has for you. Take them all. i got one last scripture in closing. Will you join me here in the front? Let's all stand and come to the front. We'll close with prayer, a final scripture, prayer, and a final song. Last scripture, 2 Kings. And you need to remember this, 2 Kings chapter 4, okay? I'm gonna, I want to tell you enough of, this, enough of this story that it gives you an appetite to really want to go read this. I don't want to tell you so much of it that you say, oh, that's a pretty good story, okay? I, I, want you to have enough, I want you to have enough anticipation that you go read this story, okay? So let's just read two verses. One day Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever Elisha passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said, this, this woman said to her husband, I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it. Then when it, he'll have a place to stay whenever he comes by. Let me tell you a little bit about what's happening here. She recognized there was a man of God that had a double portion of Elijah's spirit, remember his anointing? Wow, she recognized that. And she said, you know what? And Listen, she had a dream. She had a, a heart's desire inside of her that as far as you can tell by reading the scripture, she never even said it out loud. But God knew it. And God brings it to her because this man ended up staying at her house with her and her husband in that room she created that they built on the roof of their house. And she got this great, awesome miracle in her life because of that. But you know what happened? This great, awesome miracle—the thing that was a heart's desire of hers—that she never spoken to anybody—it came under attack, and it was being destroyed. And you know what she did? She went to God about it. She said, "God, you gave me this." She went to God about it, and you know where she went to God about it? Into the room that she created you know what she she didn't have to go across the road and say hey have you got a place that i can meet with god she had a place where the man of god stayed and you know what she didn't have to say hey do you know a man of god she knew a man of god and she didn't have to send an emissary because she knew elisha because she had built a place for her to have connection and when this thing that god had given her was being destroyed she went to elisha when she was interrupted she said "Uh uh-uh i'm talking to him myself I'm not gonna send somebody in. She went to Elisha and said, Elisha, you gotta do this. And God restored, He brought, where did He do it? In the place. On the roof. In the room that she the room that she made. Get that. She made room. She made room. Remember what I said last week? That We need to build some margin back into our lives. Right now we don't have room for God to use us. If God tells us to go bless somebody, we don't have the finances to do it on too much money on us. God tells us to take 30 minutes to go help someone. We don't have time to do that. We're spending too much of our time on us. And I told you, make room. But when you make that room for others, what you won't realize is you're really doing what this lady did. You're making the room for yourself. And the blessings, the miracles, the stuff that you've been wanting in your life that you've not even said, maybe not even said out loud to God. God can bring it to your life. But how's he going to do it? Because you know what a lot of people say? you say? You see small groups, what do you think? You think I ain't got time for a small group. You know what you need to do? You need to do what this lady did. Make room. You know why? You think about this. I don't know what she did on her roof. She might have had a, an herb garden. Or like we see a lot in the scriptures, She might. that's maybe where she laid out flax to dry so that she could make cloth. I don't know what she did on her roof. But whatever she used to do on her roof, she stopped doing so she had time, she had room, she had space to be able to have God in her life and the miracle that she desperately desired. So you know what you need to do? I've already told you how to cut out some old relationships. You know, if you would unfriend about 50 people today, you'd probably have enough time to go to a small group. You wouldn't have near as many Facebook post to read. You need to make some Cutting out that time make the room. Make some move. your heart with me. Jamie's going to leave us in a final song. Don't start singing